Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, Tommy, can you spot an honest or better yet, a dishonest car review? I'm not sure I can, Dad. Well, in this video slash podcast, we're going to be talking about that. How you can tell when somebody is trying to sell you something versus when somebody's actually reviewing something. And you know how we're going to do that? How? I'm going to tell you right after the intro. Sit back and relax or keep driving if you're driving. TFL Talking Cars is on the air, the world's most popular car podcast. Okay, maybe not yet, but we're working on it. We're back. So, Tommy, we've been uh, reviewing cars now for 10 years. Uh, and before we get into the difference between a review, an ad, and an influencer, which is what we're going to be talking about, um, let me kind of give you my background so you kind of know where I'm coming from because I'm very old school. So I went uh, to the Medill School of Journalism, got my master's degree, uh, and back in the day when I went through it, uh, it was very clear what kind of was editorial and what was advertising because that's what we're talking about, right? The difference between ads and the difference between editorial. Editorial is somebody reporting a story or doing a review, and ads, of course, is somebody paying for that uh, and getting the results that they want. Yeah, that's right. And when you went to journalism school at Northwestern back in the 80s, yeah. did they have TV back then or was it just all like tablets and, and little easels? That it was you very hard. We used Morse code. It was oh, really? very hard to do you know, journalism just using Morse code. All right. Uh, now that you've established how old I am, uh, let's talk about basically the three kinds of car reviews, right? Um, so there are... Ads, which are just, you know, things you watch on TV or you see before this video or podcast, right, where a manufacturer of a car or truck um, is trying to get you to buy that vehicle by promoting either a lifestyle or a feature or speed or whatever, right? Right. Um, then um, there is, of course, a traditional review, which is what I was taught, which is, you know, a journalist with a very set and clear and transparent set of standards. And those words are important. We're going to talk about those more, right? That then get a vehicle and review it based on their experience and based on those standards, right? And now, recently, with the advent of social media, there's something kind of in between that, right, which is an influencer. And, um, you know, YouTube is an influencer platform. So as a, as a journalist, the word influencer just like is like, it's like chalk – uh, nails on a chalkboard. It just really rubs me the wrong way. And for a long time, I really didn't understand how influencers worked. You understand how influencers work. Yeah, basically, um, a company will come to the influencer and pay them to say certain things about the product, but have it look authentic, have it look like it's their own words. Yeah, but it's, 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 it's really um, more complicated than that and a little bit more tricky than that. And the reason it's more tricky than that is, let's say you're an actor, right? Um, you would go and create a commercial for, let's pick the vehicle of your choice, a Ferrari. Right. right? And I'm using Ferrari specifically because we don't work with them. Uh, and then you would be in the Ferrari and you would talk about how great it is and somebody would write the script. Usually that would be an ad agency. Uh, and it would come across to most of you guys out there as a commercial for a Ferrari. But influencers don't work that way. Most influencers are people like you and me uh, who started um, – 
either posting pictures on Instagram or doing YouTube video or Facebook post. You know, pick the social media of your of your choice. Uh, and they had a passion for something, right? They had a passion for, I don't know, pick triathlon or health and beauty or pies, right? And um, they shared that passion. Let's talk about pies because they're fun. They love pies. And they showed how to bake pies. And uh, they spent a lot of time building up an audience of people who would come to them either for their advice or for the pictures they're posting uh, about pies. And at some point, um, that was very authentic, right? I love pies, so here's everything I know about pies. Here's the pies I've baked. Let's look at them. Let's share them. But at some point, because uh, you out there share that passion, you develop an audience, right? The pie person call it, you know, Roman Pie, has this huge pie audience of 30,000 Instagram followers who love watching when I post pictures of my favorite cherry pie or apple pie or whatever, right? Right. Then an advertising agency notices that and they come to me and they say, hey, Roman, um, you know, we make great fillings for pies and we want you to feature those fillings um, in your next picture that you post on Instagram. And then we want you to say, in the comment, how great that filling is. So now I've gone from being basically um, just an individual who loves pies to that paid actor who is now being paid by the, the manufacturer or the maker of that pie dough filling. Uh, and so it comes across as being real and authentic, even though it's paid for. So I kind of had this a couple of years ago. I was at a press launch, and I won't mention the manufacturer, uh, but uh, they had a little like um, room set up before the dinner, and there were these two, and I'm going to call them influencers, who were sitting there talking back and forth, and this manufacturer invited them to do the same thing we do, which is review the car, right? Right. And one was telling the other one, and I was just kind of sitting off to the side, minding my own business, but I couldn't help but overhear them. You know, they said, well, this manufacturer is going to pay me $400 to come here, but I said I wouldn't do it for less than 600 And, you know, and, and, and as an old school journalist, that to me is one word that is very reprehensible, and that's payola, right? Because as a journalist, if somebody's paying you something uh, to do something, you're no longer a journalist. You are now an advertiser, and, and it, 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 it robs you of your credibility. And so I went up to him and I said, whoa, 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 hold on, guys. You mean this manufacturer is paying you to be here? And they said, yeah, yeah, yeah. We wouldn't do this for less than $600. But when they agreed to that, and we decided to come on the launch of this new car. And at that moment, I had this epiphany. And the epiphany was an influencer is just another form of advertising. And I'm not getting down on influencers. I mean, these two ladies had spent a lot of time and a lot of work and a lot of effort uh, building their Instagram Right. right? And, and I asked how many followers they had. And one had like 36,000 and the other one had, I think, 50,000, right? Right. Um, and, you know, they put a lot of work. And for them, you know, the manufacturer paying them to come and post pictures of the car and talk about how great the car is was just a natural extension of the work they had put in. It was a way of getting paid. I think you're missing a key, key aspect of influencers, though. Right. Because like your pie example, yeah. you had a pie company come to the pie influencer, Right. right? A lot of the times these influencers who attend these programs don't do anything with cars, right? They could just be an influencer that posts about their family. So I was on a program and I was talking to this lady who, who runs like a, a very popular Instagram page where she talks about her family and her dogs. And this manufacturer had, had, had come to her and said, we want you to come on this trip to take pictures with the car, right? So it's like if you, the pie guy, were making pies and I, the banana company, came to you and said, hey, do you want to come take some pictures with our bananas? Like they don't have to be within the same... Uh, right. Industry, right? They they could be completely unrelated, right? So so you know what what the epiphany was, and what I think you're saying is, if you get paid 
to um, promote and help sell the vehicle, then you're basically advertising. You're not editorial. You're not – it's not your own opinion because, because at that point, the question I think a lot of people would have and I would naturally have is, what if it's a crappy vehicle? Does it, does it going to be more than $600? Do you have to pay 800 or does it really matter? At some point, it's not about – you know whether you're really reviewing well, the car. Course, yeah. It's 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 only about getting paid to post a picture of the vehicle or to create a YouTube video or to put up a TikTok video. You you name it. Now, we we should clarify too. So when we we post our vehicle reviews, be it cars, yeah, we're going to get to trucks, that. I haven't gotten there. SUVs, yet. yeah. Um, we will have companies that will advertise with us, but the key difference there is part of our editorial guidelines is we never accept direct payment from any vehicle manufacturer because there's right. a huge conflict of interest, right? right? We can't be reviewing a Honda Fit and being paid by Toyota to talk about the Yaris, right? I mean, anytime uh, a uh, journalist outlet is, is being paid directly by an auto manufacturer, there's a big problem with their objectivity. Yeah, so, so this is a thing that I think is the heart of you know, what separates, I think, journalism from influencers from advertising, right? That, that our opinion is our own uh, and it's based on what we really believe and based on our experience, not based on somebody paying us. Now, that, that is very black and white and unfortunately, it's never that black and white. Let's, let's look at a magazine and before we get to how we do and how we kind of work, uh, let's talk about kind of the history of it. So when I was growing up, you know, I used to read the four buff books, right? Car and driver, automobile, motor trend, uh, road and track. Uh, but you would, you would go through the pages and, you know, in in the magazine publishing world, that's called a book, right? right. And the book is divided into the front of the book. It, 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 there's a whole, you know, way that a magazine is published. But the important part for this conversation is that you know you would have a review of a, oh, I don't know, back in the day might have been like a Mazda RX-7, and then right next to it you would have an ad for an RX-7, right? Which is you know. Here's a review, right. and on this page is the ad. Now, how do you, how do you justify that? How do you, how do you separate the fact that the magazine is getting paid to advertise the RX-7, and yet at the same time it's, um, it's reviewing the RX-7? And the way that that would happen back in the day, and I haven't worked at a magazine in a long time, so I don't know if that has changed, is that, that you'd have what's called Chinese walls, right? So you'd have the editorial team, which would be the reporters and the writers, and then you'd have the advertising team. So in theory, there was a strict division between what was being said in terms of a re- review and what was being paid advertisement on a separate page. Yeah, the Chinese wall, basically. So the ad team would work separately from the editorial team, and the two wouldn't influence each other. I think in real life, that didn't exactly work that way. No, never it works that way. At some point, uh, there is a crossover, and so advertising does leak into editorial. The question is, how much does it leak into editorial? Uh, but uh, there is a natural barrier to that when, it, when you're talking about you know traditional journalism, and that is if you're like me, like a reporter, and the ad guy comes to you and says, I want you to write a review um, that is complimentary of the RX-7 because we've got an ad running and you know, 50, they bought a whole page, it's costing them $30,000 and they, need, they really want to get their money's worth, right? As a reporter, the, the natural comeback to that would be no, I won't do that because that's my credibility. Right. right. If you do that, then all of a sudden you lose credibility and it doesn't sell magazines because it's just basically, a, you know, it's like a buff book that is literally a buff book for just fans of that brand because there's never anything bad, bad said about that. And, and I think you're seeing that right now, especially in the Tesla world, right? Um, you know, I spend a lot of way too much time watching videos, reading stories, right? And I, I have a very hard time actually finding any 
uh, Tesla reporting that is objective. And what I mean by objective is it's not fan-based, right? Because the, the downside to, to being objective and trying to be um, fair, and I hate that word because it's gotten used in a very different context, but traditionally fair, like trying to actually look at the car and be fair about it, is that oftentimes when you are fair about a vehicle, you find the warts and you find the uh, the things that are wrong with it. Uh, in Tesla reporting, and you can look at any of the Tesla sites out there, and I really don't want to like name Tesla sites. You guys can find them. You never see that. It's all like it's all fanboys cheerleading, saying how great it is, and a lot of the YouTube channels are that but way that's, too. But that's that's different though, because they're not being paid to, to to cheerlead. I mean, Tesla is an interesting company in that they don't market in in a similar way that Toyota would market or Nissan would market. You're never going to find a Tesla ad on TV. You're not going to find a Tesla ad in the newspaper. I mean, when was the last time you've seen a Tesla ad? They don't they don't do that in the same sense of the word that a traditional right, right. ad agency would. I, I don't know if Tesla is using ad agencies to pay influencers, and uh, but. Whether you're paid directly, right, right, or you're paid by the fact that you say nef- you never say anything wrong about it, you are getting paid because what you're doing is you're preaching to the choir, which is fine if, if that's your thing. But but it's never it's never like uh, yeah, but transparent that, about the, that, the right? Tesla people are just fanboys, right? They're, they'll never say anything bad about their car, and there's there's been fanboy sites on Mustangs and Camaros. It's just that the Tesla fanboy sites, uh, with the advent of the internet now. Can 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 put on this guise as journalism, right? Right, as but that's, that's, a, that's but that's the problem. Let's say you're a fan of the Broncos right, right. here in Denver, right? There's, and there's there's tons of like news coverage of the Broncos that are nothing but you know how great the Broncos. are. It's for fans, right? Right. And they may have some internal conflicts about well, is this receiver better than that receiver? Is a Tesla Model Y better than the Model Three? But no one will ever be out there saying you know uh, here's a problem with the Y, here's a problem with the three. No, but I don't think they're doing that because they're getting paid. They're doing that because they can't see past their love of the brand. Right. They no, they can see past it, but they know that they'll piss off their readers and viewers right. if they actually go out and start yeah, talking about sense. right. So we can we do we used to do two kinds of videos, and we've actually kind of stopped doing that because you guys don't watch them, and um, many people hate them. And that is an, a typical objective as a reporter. Right, uh, my job was never first of all to put me into it which is a whole different thing that's a whole other conversation about putting myself into it but it was always to to try to get both sides of the story right so uh, let's say i was covering at the time when i was doing straight-up journalism um a school board uh uh negotiations right uh, the, the school board was working with the teachers, and the teachers were on strike to try to negotiate a new salary. I, I would go talk to the teachers. This is why we think we want more money. I would go talk to the school board. This is why we can't pay more money. And then I would let the viewers decide which of those two um, facts or um, issues they felt was right. right. And I would, I would not put myself into it. I wouldn't be like, well, the teachers want more money. It's not fair. Or the school board won't pay more money because it's not fair. I would just comp- keep myself completely out of it. Sure. In fan-based journalism, if, if you call it that, Tesla stuff, there's none of that. There's no other side. You'll never see, uh, or very rarely will you see, like a straight-up comparison between a Tesla Model S and a Taycan, right, that doesn't somehow put the Taycan in a worse light. Right, it'll always be like the Model S uh, is so much better than the Taycan. Uh, the range is much better, but you'll never see the exact opposite where it'd be like, "Wow, the Taycan is really great, and the Model S is getting old and long in the tooth," which it is, right? Right, sure. Right, because the the, the fans don't want to hear that. Right. 
But what I'm saying is that those kind of sites exist for other manufacturers too. Like there are oh, course, sites yeah. that, that are fanboys uh, for yeah. Nissan and for Honda. And we get a lot Toyota. of we get a lot of you know uh, pushback uh, from Subaru because obviously you know we're out there uh, doing a lot of off road reviews, and for the most part, we found that a Subaru with a CVT just doesn't work very well off road, and the Subaru fanboys hate that. Uh, and you know, I know. Personally, I know we've done our job correctly when we get a lot of hate from a lot of different sides. When, when you get hate from both sides, like when you get hate from the teachers' union and you get hate from the school board because they both think that, that you were unfair, then right. you know you've been fair yeah. because you've shown both sides of the story. So if, I, if I, we get a lot of hate from like the fanboys, then I feel to my, I, you know, I kind of say to myself, we've done it right. So that was kind of a tangent. Roman, that was a Roman rant. But let's go back to talking about how you can tell, you know, kind of a, a, a fair review or an honest review from a dishonest review. First and foremost, what we do uh, is we're always, as much as possible, we try to be transparent. So um, in the old days, let's say, and even today, if you're the New York Times, right? Right. You, you will not, or even USA World News, right? They will not um, allow, or actually Cars.com does this too, they will not allow their journalists to go on car launches. Now, we do a lot of car launches, right? And a car launch is basically the manufacturer um, sends us an invite. They're saying, hey, we're rolling out the new Pick Your Vehicle, right? We want you to fly to a beautiful place like, oh, I don't know, Monterey. We're going to put you up at a great hotel. Uh, we're going to feed you a great dinner. And we're going to you know, give you the vehicle to drive. And then we're going to fly you back home, right? Right. That's an expensive trip. Yeah, it is an expensive trip. And, um, and, and, and if you're the New York Times, you won't go on that trip. Right. Because, because that is considered payola, right? Let's say the cost of that trip to send one person on it is $5,000. And that might, it might cost that much. It's bold. I don't think it would be 5K. Depends on the location. It depends. Oh, it's 3K, whatever it is, right? Right. Right. So the New York Times will say, no, we don't, we can't do that. It's payola. Which is good. Which is good. Cars.com, right? Right. What they'll say, we'll go on that trip, but we'll reimburse you the cost of that. Right. Right. The way that we've gone, around that and it basically ha- doesn't have to do with the fact that we, we, we don't believe in payload it has to do with the fact that we just don't have the budget to pay him back so let's explain this for a second yeah. you know back in the old days there was a lot of money especially within the buff books for these kind of programs right so it was possible based on like a subscription model where you could pay the manufacturer back you could reimburse them but figure yeah, if, you, if you got if you got thirty thousand for a one page ad, then you right. could pay the manufacturer right, right. back. For sure, for sure. So the issue is, is especially on YouTube when you go on these programs, the the program might be fifteen hundred dollars. You publish a YouTube video that gets a hundred thousand views. It does really well. Makes like fifty bucks. No, it would make like eight hundred bucks. Right? Maybe maybe eight hundred fifty dollars, depending right. on the the, the, the if, if you can get a hundred thousand. If you can get a hundred thousand views, right. so you've got a trip that would cost you fifteen hundred right. for a review that would make eight hundred. And if you do that enough, you won't be reviewing cars. You won't be reviewing cars anymore. And then there's the other issue for us, and that is if you want, you know, I like to say that the manufacturers literally have the keys to the kingdom, right? Right. I, I mean, they if you you know you, you could try to go and do that review. Uh, at the car dealership, when the car hits the dealership. Yeah. Uh, but by that point, kind of the, 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 the shine has come off the Apple, the buzz has come off the car, and people aren't interested as much in it. Well, the other thing, too, is... And then there's a whole bunch of strings from car dealerships, too, so that's not that simple. No, but there's a lot more than that, too, right? When you go on these programs, they've got the engineers there. You can interview the engineers. You can talk to the designers. You can talk to the product people and why they chose what option. So there's a great opportunity to learn a lot about the car that you wouldn't have if you didn't go on the program. Yeah, so... so, so 
so we've got three options there, right? And, and we chose the third one, and, and hopefully you understand why we chose it. So the first option is not to go, like the New York Times, right? which means we would have to either get the car when it hits a dealership, which has its own set of problems because then you got to deal with the dealer and all the stuff that they want from you, mm-hmm. right? Uh, or you could buy the car, which is expensive, which is also problematic because you can't review every new car. Yeah, and it'll be late. Or you know, the other option is you could you could try to reimburse the manufacturer, in which case we'd be out of business because we couldn't afford to do that. Right. Or you do what we do, which is we try to be transparent and we try to um, in as many videos and on as many websites as possible. We say the manufacturer of Fluid Soccer. I've said that so many times in all of our videos. Fed me dinner and put me up for the night in exchange for this review, and then we let you guys decide whether you. You think that me or Tommy were influenced uh, right. by that, and, and you might and you might be asking yourself, are we influenced by that? Well, I think we do our best not to be. I mean, I certainly do when I'm out there. Uh, you, you know, I definitely look at the vehicle for what it is, and if if there's faults, if it's worse than competition, I will point them out, even even if it's on a really nice press trip, right? Because my job is not to be a fanboy or or advertise for the company. My job is to give you a fair and objective review of whatever car it is. So if something's wrong with it, yes, I'll, I'll point out that it's wrong. Yeah, and there was a video that Scotty did maybe six months ago, Scotty Kilmer, where he talked about you know how journalists basically are, are uh, paid off by going on these trips. Uh, and uh, I hope that you guys understand that, that, that not only are we transparent about it, that, that, that we have enough integrity uh, to value uh, the brand and to value our own um, – Integrity <laughs> to not not do that, right? Right. Uh, and so, so you know, I think that we do our very best to be as transparent as possible to let you guys know where we're coming from, so that you know uh, that we're not um, influenced uh, by the fact that that we're you know there's a trade off there, and I, I think the trade off is worth it. Now, the one way that we certainly um, draw the line is we do not take any direct advertising revenue uh, from car manufacturers. Right. So and, and that's very rare. There's no manufacturer writing us a check and like, okay, here you go, say good things about this, right? That'll that'll never happen. And no Chinese wall on the other side, right? Right. Saying that, hey, you know, we're doing it on the advertising side, but it doesn't influence the editorial side. So so, you know Now if if like Lipton Ice Tea came to us and said we want to yeah. advertise. Yeah. Right, this, this, this iced tea wouldn't... By the way, I drink so much of this Lipton, so... It'd be awesome. Uh, <laughs> this wouldn't impact my review of the Toyota Camry that's sitting outside right now, because mm-hmm. it's not related. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But if um, Honda came to us and said, hey, we want to advertise with the Accord, we would have to say no, right? because that's a direct conflict of interest. And, and we have said no, and we continue to say no. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, the other problem, of course, in, in a practical way, is if you take money from Honda, then how do you do a comparison with, let's say, Toyota? Right. If one is paying you to advertise their vehicle. Uh, and that's why um, I think that, that we've established a reputation uh, for being honest and being forthright. Uh, and being um, transparent in what we do. At least I hope so. Uh, in the comments below, let us know what, what you think. Well, there's more to it, too. Uh, you know, the manufacturers will try to pay you directly in non-monetary ways. Like, they'll give you, uh, like, expensive headphones or or expensive... Um, expensive what? Headphones or, or oh, Bluetooth yeah. speakers. And what we do is we keep those in a box, and then we give them away. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so yeah. so the, the we don't actually keep them ourselves right. because that would be a, an influence as well. So we give those away. Or gift cards in some cases, right, depending on, on the, the, the program. And we always give those away too. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we, we do the very best that we can so that you have faith 
in the fact that what we're telling you is our honest opinion and not not paid for by a manufacturer. But now, the, the important thing is, is without the relationship with the manufacturer, we couldn't get you the cool stuff. Right. You know, like we couldn't get you the, 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 the latest new truck. We couldn't get you the coolest new car. Right. First, when you want to see it, when it's exciting. We'd and, be a year late with a vehicle that we'd have for 10 minutes. And that kind of opens up uh, the next part of this discussion, which I think is something that people really are interested in, and that is how do we get our test cars here in Colorado? Yeah. Uh, and uh, the way that works is uh, every major city in America has a press fleet, and that is managed by a company. And the manufacturers uh, basically put in their newest cars into this press fleet, uh, and then uh, they deliver them to us clean. And to the journalists gas. in the city. Yeah, to the journalists in that city. Yeah, on rotation. And they take them away. And for the most part, uh, I'd say any given time in any press fleet, there's maybe 10 to 30 cars. Some cities have more than one press fleet. In some places like Canada, they don't deliver them. You have to go pick them up. In L.A., you have to do that sometimes. But basically, uh, there is a, a bunch of cars in every city that are there just for editorial reviews. And the way we get them, like I say, is that they'll deliver them to us clean and full of gas. We review them. We drive them. We get them dirty. And then they take them away, uh, you know, empty and dirty. Well, you're probably wondering... If we already drove the car on the press launch yep. in Monterey, right. why would we need to drive it here? And there's a bunch of reasons for that. Because here in Colorado, we can put it through a lot of objective tests that we can't do in Monterey. So, for example, if it's a pickup truck, right? Yeah. On a launch of a pickup, they may set up a small little trailer that you can tow around in a, right. in a loop. Here in Colorado, we've got a set of rigorous uh, testing standards, and we can hook up our really big trailers and run it up the Ike Gauntlet. And that's just something you wouldn't be able to do on a press launch, and it's also not something you could do with a dealer car. Yeah, and the other thing about press launches uh, is that you know they'll never set up a course or towing uh, scenario that the vehicle won't be able to do, right? With ease, yeah. With like ease, you'll never yeah. see an off-road right. course on a press launch that'll even remotely challenge the vehicle. Well, so for the maybe, most part. The Land Rover actually does pretty hard Yeah, stuff. and Jeep took us on the Rubicon Trail. Yeah. And that so, was so, pretty so Jeep hard. does good stuff, too. Uh, but for the most part, you, you know, it, it, they know that the vehicle could do it. Otherwise, you know, they, yeah, wouldn't, they wouldn't put it in they the... They wouldn't. Uh, so the other thing that, that also happens oftentimes is when we go on a press launch, we really don't get to spend a lot of time with the car. We get to talk to the engineers, which is great. So we get kind of an inside view into how the vehicle was developed. Uh, but we don't necessarily uh, get to spend more than, let's say, half a day at mm-hmm. most with it. And then we have to share that half a day with another journalist because the way that the press launches work is they always assign two journalists to a car. So yep. you, you go back and forth and you take turns driving it. Uh, and oftentimes I've gone to a press trip thinking to myself, this is the most stupid feature. And then I spend a week with the car and I, I think to myself, you know, it's not that stupid. Or vice versa, right? Mm-hmm. Something I'm really impressed with uh, and then actually I get to use and live with uh, turns out to be um, – either useful or not so useful. So it, it, it does allow us to actually get a deeper dive. Now, oftentimes, you guys are asking us about reliability, right? Uh, and, um, yeah, w- we handle that in a very interesting way, I think, and that is we actually buy some cars that we keep for a year just to find out how reliable they are. But that's only a small amount of cars because we don't have a budget beyond well, a couple cars. And really, we keep it for a year. And we really put it through its paces, right? We have a long time to try it in cold weather, hot weather, snow, sand, whatever. Uh, but you won't really have a good sense of reliability. Sometimes you'll have issues every year. But for the most part, the car will last quite well. You know, modern cars are fairly well made. So we've got a number of vehicles we go out and buy every year, um, typically three or four, yep. right? So we've had the Model 3, yep. Tesla Model X, 
Yep. We bought those partly because Tesla doesn't have a PR department really that works with journalists. Right. Um, we've had a couple of trucks like the Ford F two fifty. Subaru we bought because they won't work with us. Yep. Subaru Outback. Um, what else have we had? Trail Boss. Yep. Right. The Silverado Ram fifteen hundred. Uh, the Gladiator. Yep. So we buy these and we hold on to them typically for three hundred sixty five days or, or more. And the cool thing about those two is not only can we really push them to a limits because if we damage them, it's on us, right? Um, but we can also play with them a little bit in the aftermarket community. So like the F-250, we put a lift on and the four-wheel camper, right? We couldn't have done that if it was a, uh, a uh, owned by someone else. Yeah, so, um, you know, it's funny. I remember Top Gear did a thing saying, actually, P.J. Rourke came up with it first. He was the first guy. He said, what's the fastest car you'll ever own? And, and the answer, of course, is a car you don't own. That's a rent-a-car. Right. Right? But, uh, uh, you know, when manufacturers lend us cars out of the press fleet, we do not want to damage them uh, because – um, it's like borrowing a car from a friend. Most of you probably not want to damage that car uh, because it's just a polite thing to do. And so when we actually buy the car, we feel much more comfortable you know, putting it through a harder test than when we um, have it for a week. Or, and, even like, or even like a month, right? Because we, we, can't, we can't return the vehicle damaged. If it's well, not, we can return damage, but it's an awkward conversation. And it begs the question, what were we doing with it that we damaged it? Right. Uh, and so when we buy a car, uh, it's our money, it's our car, uh, it's our uh, bad if it breaks, and, and then we're much more likely to push it. Uh, and I think um, that's just the way we operate, uh, and um, I think that's the way it has to be because uh, I never feel very comfortable like putting a car in danger, specifically in danger when it's not our own. That doesn't mean we don't test it thoroughly. It doesn't mean we, we don't um, try it out, we don't put it on the track. Uh, we don't, you know, take it off-road. But it, it, it is kind of the difference between, let's say, uh, our newest off-road test, which is either the Ironclads or Cliffhanger 2.0, right? Right. And, and there's, we, we, we certainly have scratched and uh, dented our fair share of cars. That always makes us feel really bad. Um, so it, it definitely does happen because whenever you're off-road, there's a risk of it. But we do our best to keep to return them in the condition that they were loaned to us in. Um and then when we're reviewing a, a typical car, we actually have a set of criteria that we look at, too. And we call it Spruce V, yep. which is a little acronym we set up. But that stands for style, uh, perfor- uh, performance, ride and handling, utility, economy. Value economy. Value. Yeah, value. Spruce V. Oh, I forgot. To, C is comfort, right? Yeah, comfort. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, so uh, competition. Sorry. Competition. I'm sorry. <laughs> I always mess that one up. Yeah, it's so a set of standards, but I have to always look at it. I always write it down. Yeah, so... so Not a great acronym, that's Bruce V. <laughs> style, performance, ride, utility, value, economy, competition. Yeah, but you messed up the order again. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I've been doing it for so long now. So th- those are kind of the, the, the things that we hold up the car to. Uh, and this might be a good moment to talk about another question that we always get, and that is, why do you do mashup reviews? Why... Um, for instance, we just did a, a, a drag race video where we compared trucks to cars, and the, and the four vehicles that we put in that drag race were uh, the Tundra TRD Pro, uh, the, 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 our long-term Chevy Silverado Trail Boss, uh, the Toyota Camry TRD, and the Mazda 6. Uh, and, you know, a lot of those vehicles don't compete against each other. Yeah. Why do we use those four? And, and the reason is very simple, because we could actually get those four. I think uh, the misconception that a lot of our readers and viewers have is that, you know, we do that and we get two competing vehicles. And it's very, oh, my God, it's exceptionally difficult 
to get two competing vehicles, let alone four competing vehicles. So, for instance, the press fleets aren't coordinated in such a way that, um, you know, that there are cars that directly compete against each other and specs that completely do compete against each other. The, right. the manufacturers pull whatever vehicle they want, and if we're lucky, we get to ask for them and we get them, and we can sometimes line up two vehicles that actually do compete against each other and then do a, do a comparison. But it's very rare and very hard. And so the question a lot of you guys have for us is, well, why, like in that comparison I just said, why wasn't the F-150 there? And I'm like, where do I get an F-150? Right, we can't, yeah. It's there's, not, there, there's none in our press fleet. We don't own one. Uh, we don't want to borrow one of yours because, God help us, if we break that, when you do test vehicles, when you do put them in stress, you can break them. Then what? You know, Then do we buy you a new F-150? We don't have those kinds of funds. Well, even with like the midsize sedan, right? Right. So like Toyota is in a different press fleet than Mazda. Yep. Um, and and you work you've got to work around all these different schedules too so like you might be able to get the Toyota from one week in June but then the Mazda's not available and then you might be able to get the uh, Mazda at the end of June but the Toyota's not available until July so then you line up the weeks perfectly you get a couple of days of overlap but of course there's no Honda because it's not in the in the rotation or there's no um, Nissan because it's not in rotation and then the, <laughs> right before you're about to get both vehicles for the Comparo someone backs the vehicle into a garage and then you get the phone call sorry we can't drop off the car because uh, it's getting a new quarter panel, you know, and that happens too. Yeah, and I think that comes from the fact that I think if you uh, were working at some point for a buff book, right, one of the car magazines, you could pretty much get, or you could certainly get almost any vehicle when you wanted and how you wanted it, and that's because uh, once upon a time, the buff books had the keys to the kingdom in terms of reviews, right? If you wanted to read a review, you went to one of those four magazines, maybe a newspaper, and that was it. And then the Internet came along and just smashed that model. So now some people are getting their reviews from Facebook, YouTube, Car and Driver. You know, you pick the, pick the source, but it's no longer going through the four doors that were the buff books. Uh, unfortunately, the reputation uh, in the industry uh, and among some of the PR teams is that, you know, getting their cover on a buff book is still more important than giving a TFL review. I, I obviously disagree with that because, you know, we're getting anywhere from 15 to 30 million monthly views on our videos, on our, on our five channels, which dwarfs, I mean, dwarfs the kind of circulation that any of the buff books that are still in business have, right? Automobile recently went online only because magazines are dying, and yet the, the, the among the PR people, uh, the perception still is out there that you know getting your vehicle reviewed by Car and Driver is much more important than getting it reviewed by you know some YouTuber. But they still do good work. I'm I not mean, saying they don't do good they, work. They yeah, do we have a lot of friends who. There's definitely who, some really good, good writing. Yeah, coming out of and those there's some. It's actually really hard for our writer friends, and I feel for them because. Uh, once again, the, the model got smashed, and there's no, you know, no, none of the buff books are getting $50,000 for one page of advertising anymore, which means that the writers who at one point were getting, if you were a freelance writer, you could get as much as a dollar a word. So if you wrote a 1,200-word story review, right, right, as a freelancer, you got $1,200. Today, you're probably lucky to get a couple hundred dollars because there's just no money going into the magazines anymore. And, and that's part of this conversation because the, the magazines actually had – very strict standards, um, or at least you know relatively strict standards. And the problem is, if you're watching a review on TikTok or if you're watching Instagram or you know one of the other YouTube channels, there are no standards at this point, right? You you could be you could be reviewing a car, um, and you could be working directly for the car dealer for the manufacturer. Uh, you could you could you know you could have an axe to grind because your dad bought the car and had a horrible experience with it, or you. 
you bought the car. There's just no, you don't know, you know, where that person is coming from. Uh, and so, you know, I think one of the things that makes TFL successful, and this is why we're doing this video, is that, that you have to be aware that we do have very strict editorial guidelines as to, you know, what perspective and where we're getting paid from. So now people may be wondering, how are we getting paid? Well, we get paid when you click a video yep. and then you see that little ad yep. ahead of time, Most right? of our money comes from the little ad that runs on YouTube. And sometimes those are manufacturer ads. Right, and we have no control over them. We have so no if, control. If you're watching like a Silverado video and you get a Ford F-150 ad, that's all Google. Whoa, excuse me. Yeah. You know, that that's not something that we are able to uh, moderate at all. So it, it could be an F-150 ad. It could be a, a, a banana ad. It could be a, um, a walkie-talkie ad, right? It could be anything. Yeah. And then we make like point oh 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 two of a penny on every one of those ads. So if, like I said, if you get 100,000 of your video, it might make $800. Yeah, and the other thing I think is important is, you know, we have we have control in one way. We can run ads or not run ads. So we can monetize or not monetize it. Yeah. Obviously, if we don't monetize it, then we can't pay our rent. We can't pay for lunch. Uh, we can't pay our mortgage. Uh, so uh, we have to monetize it to make this business work. It is a business. Uh, and unlike many of the other YouTubers out there, we look at this as a business, right? We manage five YouTube channels. We have a staff of people. Uh, this is definitely a business. This is not, you know, a passion. I, I'm, I'm going to go review something today while I have time. This is, you know, a, a day-to-day job for us. We spend a lot of time in editorial meetings coming up with ideas for our videos. Well, and a lot of resources in shooting them, right? And a lot of resources in shooting them. If you get a lot of views on a video, you still have to consider, you know, you have to pay the person who was in front of the camera, the editor. The editor has to go edit it. The videographer. Yeah, and then you got to pay to keep the rents on, the yeah. lights on, and the rent. I mean, it's an expensive expensive procedure. It is an expensive procedure. So, um, so you know, we, we spend a lot of time thinking about how we grow the business, thinking about how we um, manage the business, thinking about who's in front of the camera, who's behind the camera, uh, you know, how we edit the videos. Uh, and I think um, sometimes that pays dividends on YouTube and sometimes it doesn't, right? Because the currency of YouTube is authenticity. Uh, and the worst thing you can find on YouTube are like commercials, right? Because the second it doesn't feel real on YouTube is the second people tune out. Right. And, and, you know, but the converse of that is also true. Just because it feels real doesn't mean it is real, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there, are, there are, you know, I watch a lot of YouTube videos. There are competitors of ours who will basically say anything uh, and, and promote anything just to get clicks because that's how you get paid, right? Right. Right? It's all about the number of videos. So think about this. You're on YouTube, and you, the more people that watch your videos, the more money you make. And you have no editorial standards. It's all based on my experience. My experience is blah, 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 right? But there's no editorial behind it. And, and, the, and the more crazy you make the headline, this is, this is what used to be called yellow journalism, right? Um, how would I, I mean, let me give you a good example of that, right? Once upon a time, uh, there were um, newspaper boys, right? Right. And they would go out and try to sell newspapers. Mm-hmm. And there was like two ways you could try to sell a newspaper. And this, this is the same thing on YouTube right now, right? One newspaper boy would go out there and he'd be, uh, he'd be like, uh, you know, uh, extra, 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 read all about it. Uh, the city council passes uh, uh, a 4% increase on your water bill, right? Right. That's, that's extra, extra, right? Another one would be like, extra, 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 giant gorilla crawls up uh, the Empire State Building. Which newspaper is going to get sold, right? Yeah. Right? But which one is more important, right? The tax increase is probably the one that's going to direct your life, life more importantly. 
But the gorilla crawling up the Empire State Building is the one that's going to get sold. And so the temptation often is, and this is happening all the time on YouTube, is to be the gorilla crawling up the Empire State Building. It doesn't mean anything. It's not real. It's entertainment. It's not journalism. It certainly isn't uh, based on anything that has any value that impacts your life. Uh, but people misinterpret that as actually being real. And that's, as a journalist, that's very frustrating to me because a lot of people on YouTube use that kind of a, this is the worst, never buy this, here's what I hate, right? These are the headlines, don't, right? These, these, are, these are videos that aren't designed to do anything but entertain. And when people take them as being serious uh, reviews or see us indictments of cars, then it's very frustrating for me as a journalist who spends a lot of time actually doing real slip tests, right? Where we actually, like you do, test how a car does in four-wheel drive or all-wheel drive or taking vehicles up the gauntlet and seeing how it tows versus somebody, in my experience, you know, this is the worst car ever and this company is going out of business, so never buy this car. That is just... That is a gorilla crawling up the Empire State Building. Yep, and, 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 you know, yeah. if if... If right now we're living in a time where uh, there are no rules, then I just hope at some point it will get to the point where when there are publications like TFL that does have rules, that it will at some point pay off. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. see. We'll see what ends up going on with YouTube. All right, that's another rant, huh? Yeah, that's a whole other rant. That's a whole other rant. Uh, so before we wrap this up, I think we should also talk about um, the kind of uh, – vehicle reviews that we do uh, that are um, either short-term or long-term. So on this list, Tommy, you talked about things that we kind of missed. So vehicle reveals, press launches. Well, um, there's kind of like a life cycle of the yeah, vehicle. Yeah. So typically, uh, the, obviously, the beginning of the life cycle would be the reveal. Yep. And it, those used to happen exclusively at auto shows. And actually, there's even a before then, right? The spy shots. Yeah, the spy shots. So that'll be us driving around trying to get the camoed cars, right? right. But vehicle reveals are really when we're, we first interface with the manufacturer. And those used to be exclusively at, like, the Chicago Auto Show, L.A. Auto Show, New York, Detroit, that kind of thing. And then you go there for 15 minutes, they'd pull the cover off, and you go to the next one. And then what they started doing is they started doing the vehicle reveal the night before the auto show where they pull it off in front of just a small group of journalists. And now what they're doing is the auto shows are still there. They're still important. But a lot of the manufacturers will do a vehicle reveal in the middle of the month not related to an auto show whatsoever. So they'll invite a ton of people out to some place just to have all the spotlight on one car. They'll pull the cover off. You get to crawl inside of it. You get to take pictures of it. But you can't actually drive it, right? So that's the vehicle reveal. Um, and then typically what, what happens is there's a press launch a couple months later, although that's really be, becoming condensed now. And then they invite us out. Like we said, we drive the car in a nice place, someplace sunny typically, take our, our videos. Um, and then the way, the way it used to work is that then the vehicle would go on sale. And then we'd get one in the press fleet where we'd have it for a week. And then we'd do the eye gauntlets and the slip tests and the track tests and all that. Um, and then sometimes if we're really lucky – uh, the manufacturer will lend us the vehicle for an extended period of time. So we might get it for... Yeah, we've got a Honda Civic Si right now for yeah. a three-month long. So we'll get it for a few months. Thank you, Honda. Yeah. And Thank that, you, Davis. That, yeah, and that's great because then we can really see what the vehicles like to live with and do a bunch of really cool videos about it. And then um, 
you know, the, the vehicle will keep going on its life cycle, and we may get it again if we want to compare it with some, something, or they may update it, in which case it'll fly somewhere sunny again so we can drive the updated version. And then it will die, and there will be a new one to replace it, and the, the cycle starts all over. And all that is changing rapidly. Yeah, uh, really first, quickly. First of all, COVID got rid of all the car shows this year, so uh, now we're sitting on uh, basically a whole bunch of vehicles that we don't know how they're going to be introduced, and they're very important vehicles, the F-150, uh, we don't know how that's going to be done. If it's virtually, we're hoping to go uh, on a reveal of that we'll see. We don't know. Uh, the Bronco is another one uh, that 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 is like that. The uh, TRX for Ram. There's just a bunch of really big vehicles that we care about and you care about. What I mean, big is that you know they're exciting, interesting. They generate a lot of um, buzz, interest, yep. interest, uh, and we don't know if we'll actually be able to go on those because uh, the manufacturers are actually not doing in-person reveals because, of course, they don't want a bunch of journalists together because you can't have large groups of people. So that, that's uh, you know something that's a challenge to our business because a lot of our business was actually, uh, and I say business, a lot of our most successful videos were the either the the, the reveals or the first, you know we were we pride ourselves in journalism being first matters right. Uh, so we work really hard. I mean, really hard. When I say work really hard, I mean like sometimes me and Tom, you'll come in here at midnight because something's being revealed the next day to produce a video. Uh, and that's more common than not. Uh, and so, you know, news doesn't stop on the weekends. We keep going and doing video reviews on the weekends. And we just work really hard to try to be first. Um, and right now the whole world is kind of turned upside down. So, you know, not only has our revenue gone down, what, two-thirds yep. over the last several months. Uh, but, um, you know, interest and our money-making uh, videos have gone away. So it's, it's, been a, it's been a rough three months for us. But we're and, hanging in there. Yeah, we're hanging. I mean, we're trying to make up for that by doing things like, you know, March Truck Madness, actually May Truck Madness, right? Yeah, but we've got like, a, you know, we, we also have like the fun projects. Like we've got the little old Subaru, yeah. the Touareg, the LR3. Yeah. You know, that, that fills the gaps too, but it's, and, the, and, it's then there, and then there's two kinds of videos that we do. Um, one is like, you know, we've been talking about our news videos, right? These are traditional journalism uh, news videos. We also buy project vehicles. Right, and that's a whole different thing. Where where we're doing more of a Top Gear kind of a build series. Right, that that's more just fun though. Yeah, that's where we'll 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 take like a, some used cheap Jeep or something and and mod it up for for a little bit of money and take it on a road trip. Yeah, and then um, um, we'll see what else what else. And those are some of my favorite favorite things that we do, right? Because because it's the news videos that actually allow us because you guys are interested in them to actually go buy the vehicle. Yeah, those are the fun ones. Those those are the ones that I really enjoy the most. Uh, because we can actually go out and do something like that. And, and our budgets are pretty small. You know, um, if you watch, like, uh, Motor Trend TV, right, these guys have a lot of money to do a lot of different kind of big projects. Right. We, we don't may ha- have, like, four grand yeah, to do it. Yeah, we don't have those kinds of budgets. And typically, we- I was adding it up, those series typically lose money for us. I mean, we usually, when you factor in the cost of the mods and the trips and the video production around them, they, they very rarely will break even. Uh, the Aztec made us money. The Aztec, fifteen hundred bucks. Right, we that bought one a fifteen hundred, and, and then a lot of people watched it. Yeah, and so we don't make money. People think we make money buying and selling cars. No, we don't. Never no, make money. The no, we make them hopefully on the video. So we usually sell them for the same amount that we bought them. We recently sold the Porsche uh, Trans uh, Siberia copy clone, yep. uh, and we just sold uh, the Comanche, which hurt because I really wanted to keep it. But if it's not, if the vehicle's here and not being used for video production, then it probably is going to go. Yep, that's right. Uh, and the things that, that are coming just before we end this that I'm most excited about is I'm looking at, 
the, our long-term F-250 there, which now has a four-wheel pop-up camper. And by the way, we do get paid by people like uh, uh, four-wheel pop-up campers to promote the camper, right? Uh, but not the truck. So it, it's like you right. said, right? And it's and like, it's like this. It's like this. It, it, it's not the vehicle, but it's the, the thing that goes on the vehicle. Yeah. Anyway, I'm looking for you know our next big trip, which is no pavement needed. Where we're yeah, gonna we're go. driving across country and dirt on the Trans America series. Yeah, so we're going to take our long term Gladiator and compare it to the F250 with the camper versus a pop up tent, and we're going to go and uh, take it across country and, and see how that does. Yeah, that's right. And be sure to stay tuned for that because it'll be really fun. Um, you seem to have run out of steam over there, Tom. Yeah, I've run out of ideas completely. I think <laughs> I think we've talked about everything I know how to talk about. <laughs> well, guys, uh, I hope this has been a little bit of a kind of behind the scenes. Uh, look at TFL, uh, you know, how we work, what the difference is between us and uh, some of the other uh, channels, influencers, advertisers, and competitors out there. Uh, and um, if you have any questions, if you're watching this as a video, put them in the comments below and we'll try to answer them. Yep. Um, and um, yeah, yeah, that's uh, time to go make some more videos, dude. Yeah, and stay tuned for another episode of TFL Talking Cars. See you next time. Ciao. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.